You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Well, let's take off. Let's take off. Let's take off. Hello, Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Where triumph means to win. You are a winner. Every Christian, every person in Christ, if you've invited Jesus into your life, then you are a winner no matter what you're dealing with. And I want you to say that I am a winner. Now let's make it, put it in the present tense, say I'm winning. Right? Yes, I'm winning. Come on, say it again. I'm winning. That's how faith talks. I am winning. Well, we began a new series, podcast series, uh, in our last episode, episode one. And we're calling this series The Thought War. The Thought War. In episode one, we we came to understand that the mind is the place where the fight of faith is fought. Victory or defeat begins in the mind. We're in a thought war. And I said this in our last episode, we need to begin to think about what we're thinking about because Satan's first target to defeat you, first target to defeat me, his first target to defeat us is in our mind. And if we can control our thought life, and it's an it's a constant war. It's a war. It's a war. It's a con- in fact you're you're in that war right now. And if we can control our thought life then we can regulate the quality of our life. Say thought war. If you're watching now, I want you to take your fingers and point it toward your head. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're listening. And if you're not driving or something like that, I want you to take your two index finger, point it toward your head on both sides of your head. You're in a thought war. Come on, say that. I am in a thought war. Come on, say, I am in a thought war. Come on, say this, I'm winning. I'm winning the thought war. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk about pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. Our background text is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I'll quote, from the traditional King James Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, they're not human, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen at this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 
bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, let's look at, at this text closely. It says that we're to pull down strongholds, strongholds, and we're to cast down imaginations. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is strongholds. But there's two sides to this. It says, cast down imaginations, pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations, pull down strongholds. I'm reminded of something that God said to Jeremiah in the first chapter. He said, uh, I've sent you to the kingdom. And he said, Jeremiah, I want you to pull down some things. I want you to tear down some things. I want you to throw down some things. I want you to destroy some things. And then I want you to build and plant. You know, that's the way it is in our spiritual growth and our development in things of God. There's two sides to it. There's some things that God wants us to build in our life build concepts, build principles, build character in our lives. But on the other hand, before we can build, we have to pull down some things, tear down some things, destroy some things. When you're renovating the house, before you can go in and put the new things before you can go in and paint and put in new furnishings and you have to tear out the old Sometimes we're trying to build without tearing down. So today we're going to talk about strongholds, but in our next episode, we're going to talk about positive imaginations, the proper use of our imagination, because in this we're going to deal with those imaginations and those thoughts that can contradict the will of God and contradict the word of God. So there's two sides to this thing. We have to pull down strongholds, and we're going to see what those are. And then we have to cast down imaginations and every high thing. That high thing is a thought that exalts itself against what God says about you, what God says about God, what God says about your situation. Every thought that contradicts what God says, then you have to cast it down. You have to cast it down. But, you know, strongholds is a, is a big deal. Let's talk about strongholds for a moment. What is a stronghold? The Bible says we have to pull them down, but what is a stronghold? A strong, I'll give you three definitions, and usually when I give more than one definitions, there are different sides to it that I want you to get. Okay, number one, a stronghold is a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking established over a period of time, fortified by custom, Resistant to change. Let's say that again. A stronghold is a way of thinking. And we're going to give you some illustrations. A stronghold is a way of thinking established over a period of time, fortified by custom, resistant to change. A way of thinking. Now, 
Here's what I've learned, and this is my 40th year of pastoring, and this is one of the things that I've learned in dealing with people and even in my own life. Much of what we deal with in our present has to do with things that were created, developed, and or unresolved in our past. I'll say that again. Much of what you and I deal with today in all avenues of our existence, spirit, soul, body, socially, financially, especially in our relationships, much of what we deal with today in our present were created, developed, and unresolved issues in our past. So a lot of times we're trying to fix our today, but we have not resolved our past. I'm going to say that again. Much of the time we're trying to fix our today without dealing with unresolved issues of our past because strongholds are a way of thinking established over a period of time. And that way of thinking that was developed in our formative years, often when we were children, we were kids, we were uh, teenagers, a way of thinking was created, a way of thinking was developed, a way of thinking uh, took place that oftentimes we're trying to work through in our present. A stronghold is a way of thinking. I'm, I'm going to give you a personal illustration in a minute. It's a way of thinking established over a period of time. It's fortified by custom, by practice, and it's resistant to change. It's resistant to change because we begin to identify in our present with what happened in our past. Second definition of a stronghold, a stronghold is a destructive thought pattern, a destructive thought pattern tattooed on the mind. It's a destructive thought pattern. You know, a tattoo, we got tattoos that's tattooed on the mind that imprisons a person to painful memories, unproductive habits, and wrong beliefs. That's a good, that's a good definition. A stronghold is a destructive thought pattern tattooed on the mind that imprisons, imprisons a person to painful memories, unproductive habits, and wrong beliefs. Do you have any painful memories? Painful. I mean painful. Now, we all go through some painful things, 
But are you being tormented or are you being bothered by the memories of your past? Are you experiencing and challenged by destructive habits? Destructive habits. My third definition of a stronghold is a stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness. It's a mindset impregnated with hopelessness, which causes us, you and I, to accept as unchangeable what we know to be against the will of God. I'll say that one again. A stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness, which causes us, you and I, to accept as unchangeable what we know to be against the will of God. Have you accepted some things as unchangeable? Even though you know those things are against the will of God, have you accepted those things? It's unchangeable. There's nothing I can do about it. There's absolutely nothing. I, it, is, it is what it is. That's what we say. It is what it is. And, and some things are outside of our control, other people and their actions and behavior. But I'm not talking about other people right now. I'm talking about do you have a mindset of hopelessness? It could be about sickness. It could be about relationships. It could be about finances. It could be about your career. It could be about having a family. Maybe you all have been impregnated with a mindset of hopelessness. You'll never get married. You're never going to have children. You're never going to have a family. You're going to always be by yourself. Are, are you impregnated with hopelessness? Hopelessness hopelessness, and a lot of single people deal with this, what I'm talking about today. They, ha they have been so single so long that they have a mindset that's impregnated with hopelessness. And they've accepted as unchangeable what they know and believe to be against God's will. There are different kinds of mindsets, all kinds. Let me call out some. Fear can be, fear can be a, a stronghold. Anger can be a stronghold. Worry can be a stronghold. Depression, death can be a stronghold. There's some people that think about death all the time. Death, 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 death. Uh, poverty can be a stronghold. Sickness can be a stronghold. Some people, they go from one sickness to another sickness, one sickness to another sickness. They're sick all the time. They're just challenged by sickness all the time. Low self-esteem can be a stronghold. Inferiority can be a stronghold. Uh, bitterness, jealousy, envy, failure can be a stronghold. Now, rejection, listen, listen. I have dealt with a lot of junk in my personal life. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about in my marriage. I'm not talking about with my wife. I'm not talking about with my children. I'm not talking about with church members. I am talking about Michael Douglas Moore. That's me. That's, that's who I am. That's me. I'm telling you, there's some things that I have to work through. I've had to work through low self-esteem. I had to work through fear. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that I've had to work through and my spiritual growth and development is rejection. 
I mean, rejection. And, and I like to talk about it for just a moment. Rejection, because there are a lot of people that deal with rejection and deal with the spirit of rejection. Rejection is the feeling of not being accepted, the feeling of not being wanted, the feeling of not being loved. Now, in my own case, I believe that that spirit of rejection, that stronghold was established way back when I was a kid. I was not raised by my birth parents. And as I tell this story, I want to make sure that I give clarity because there are a lot of people dealing with rejection. I wasn't raised by my birth parents. My um, father's, my birth father's aunt uh, came to Flint, Michigan and saw a baby. That was me. Her nephew's son. And my birth parents, I was three months old, and she brought me to Birmingham and raised me. Her husband and her raised me. That was my mom. That was my dad from three months old. Three months old. So I didn't have a relationship with my father. I knew of him. My parents that raised me never talked against me. My father never spoke negative about my father, so I didn't grow up hating. I didn't grow up hating uh, my dad, my birth dad. I didn't grow up hating. I just didn't know him. I would see him occasionally, but I didn't. I didn't know him on a personal level. And then my birth mother, who I have a great relationship with now, who I think is a wonderful person. She is a spirit-filled Christian that loves Jesus, and we have a really good relationship, real great relationship. But I didn't ever, I had never seen my birth mother until I, around 18 years old. Or about 18, I met her for the very first time. And then I think I met her uh, in a relationship, maybe in my 40s, from 18, there was a gap from 18 and then a gap to maybe in my 40s. And now we have a very positive relationship. So even though I was raised in a loving, caring home, I mean, positive, just every way. My dad that raised me was my hero Greatest man ever lived on the planet. My mother was my number one fan. She thought I was the best thing that happened since sliced bread. I'm talking about the mother who raised me. But there was something on the inside of me that always felt like my birth parents didn't want me. They, they didn't want me. I always felt like they gave me away. They, they, it was a, it, I didn't know it, but it was a root of rejection that was set in. When you have that sense or feeling of rejection, it spills over into other relationships. So in, in athletics, you know, if a coach didn't let me play or, or was hard on me, I felt like the coach didn't like me. It was some personal, that rejection spilled over there. And then if, you know, I didn't, I didn't like getting B's in school. So if I, I got a B, then it became personal. And then once I got married, you know, Pete and I have been married. That's my wife's nickname. 
We've been married for 41 years. She's my best friend on the planet. There's nobody on the planet I would love to be with, want to be with, than my wife. And that's the honest to God truth. That's not a confession. That's the way I feel about her. But early in our marriage, we had problems and she had issues. I had issues. And I just didn't think she loved me. I just don't think she loved me. I thought she loved the kids more than she loved me. But think about it. Here's a a lady who left her home in Kentucky, came to uh, Birmingham, didn't know anybody following me. It's obvious that she loved me, but there was something on the inside of me. I was wearing glasses that was rose shade or red sunglasses. So it colored everything that I saw. Every conflict situation was colored by rejection. Everything was covered by rejection. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't have a clue about what was wrong with me. And I was praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. And thank God for the praying in the spirit because we have blind spots. And I was praying in the spirit. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I'll pray in the spirit about me. And if you pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, don't just pray for everybody. Say, God, I'm going to pray about me right now because we all have blind spots. So I'm praying in the spirit. And I said, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I just don't I just don't know what I don't have a clue what's wrong with me. I know something's wrong with me. I know that there's something wrong with me, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. I don't know. And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and that's the power of praying in tongues because we have blind spots. We can't see ourselves. And I heard the Holy Spirit say rejection. That's He was saying, he was giving me the key that will unlock a lot of issues in my life. Rejection. Rejection. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what rejection meant. I didn't have a clue about what rejection meant. So I began to read. I began to study. And Joyce May had a book on rejection. I read other books on rejection. And I just kept, and then all of a sudden I began to understand that it, it was a feeling of being not accepted, not loved, not wanted. And then I could see it. I understood it. But I began to dig into that word and begin to dig in the word. And then I began to realize that the foundation of who I was and my identity couldn't be in other people. I had to establish my foundation in the fact that God loved me. Listen carefully. God accepted me and God will never reject me. It had to begin with my relationship with God. So I took off those color uh, shades and then I could see things clearly. And maybe you have a stronghold of rejection. Maybe you have this feeling that you're not wanted, you're not loved, you're not accepted. I know uh, some single people deal with that. Some elderly people deal with that. And then other folk deal with that. You may be be married and you're dealing with that. It's a stronghold. It is a way of thinking that's been established over a period of time. It's fortified by the practice and it's resistant to change. It is a destructive thought pattern that's tattooed to your mind 
that imprisons you to painful memories, unproductive habits, and wrong beliefs. It's a mindset impregnated with hopelessness, strongholds. I had a stronghold in poverty. I just couldn't get this prosperity thing to work. I I could see it, but it was like a glass in front of me. And I come up against it trying to get what God was offering, but it was like a glass. It was a stronghold. I had to get in the word and meditate in the word and confess the word because the image that I had of myself was poor. I saw myself as poor. I felt poor. And I had to meditate in the word and confess the word to the point that I began to see myself in a different way. I had a stronghold of fear in my life. I, uh, I didn't know it. You can have a stronghold and not know it. I was um, uh, praying one day on the way to a, a minister's meeting. Uh, a minister had a meeting in, in town, and I was going to the meeting. And um, at those meetings, they normally have a, a section where the ministers reserve seating for the ministers. And I always had problems sitting in those reserved seats. And I would always sit way back in the back. And I didn't know I had a stronghold of fear. And I heard myself praying, Lord, help me to sit in the minister's seat. And it dawned on me, I'm praying that God will help me to sit in the reserved seating for ministers. That is crazy, but that's the nature of fear. It's crazy. Why in the world would you be praying that God will help you to sit in the reserve seats? It was a stronghold of fear. Much of what we deal with in our present is related to unresolved issues in our past, things that were developed, things that were created in our past. Now listen at this. Satan has six building blocks. He has six building blocks to erect these strongholds in our lives. The, you, you know, he has six building blocks. Satan wants to fill your mind with thoughts of defeat, incorrect beliefs. Satan wants you to entertain thoughts, incorrect thoughts about God, about yourself, and about your situation. Think about what you're thinking about. It's a thought war. So what do you think about God? What are your thoughts about God? Do you think God take some time from you and give some time from you? Do you think God is punishing you? God is again. What are your thoughts about God? Think about what you think about God. Think what you think about yourself. Now, this is so important. What do you think about you? There was a time when I, I, I you know, I didn't think anybody wanted to listen to me. 
I wouldn't even listen to my own CDs. I had an incorrect thought about myself. Okay, what do you think about you? Well, I can't do this, and I can't talk in front of people, and I can't. Okay, what do you think? Is that rooted in inferiority? Come on, come on now. Is it rooted in fear? What do you think about yourself? Come on, let's just, let's take, let's take a moment now. Let's take a moment. Let's forget about this being a lesson. I want you for just a few seconds to think. It may help you to close your eyes. Think about what you think about yourself. What do you think about yourself? What do you think about you? Do you have positive thoughts about you? Do you have negative thoughts about you? What do you think about you? Let's take it to another level. What do you think about your situation, your circumstances? What do you think about your marriage? What do you think about your children? What do you think about your finances? What do you think about your job? What do you think about your business? What do you think about this environment, this crisis environment? What do you think about the situation? It is a thought war. You're in a thought war. Now, take a little survey. Is the predominant thoughts about God or about you or about your situation, is your predominant thoughts positive? Is your predominant thoughts word-based? There have been times when my thoughts were not word-based. It's no time to be religious. It's no time to just say the right things. God wants to help you, and you'll never pull down a stronghold if you're not honest with yourself. We're not talking about somebody else. You think, oh, I wish so-and-so heard that. No, 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 no. We're not talking about so-and-so right now. We're talking about you. We're talking about you. Satan has six building blocks. I'll give you an overview and we'll come back and look at each one. Satan uses lies. Satan uses accusations. Satan uses wonders. Satan uses wonderings. Satan uses reasonings. Satan uses fear. And Satan uses suggestions. Suggestions. Satan is a liar. He is a what? He's a liar. He is a liar. And he cannot erect a stronghold without you believing a lie, without me believing a lie. And then you will never pull down a stronghold if you keep believing lies. No one loves you. Not even God. No one loves me. Nobody loves me. No one loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about me. Okay, where did you get that from? Where in the scripture does it say no one loves you, no one cares about you, not even God? Where in the scripture, where in the Bible, where did you get that, that no one loves you, that no one cares? Where did you get that? 
What did you get that? What did you get? You know, I'm, you know, I'm not a speaker. I'm, I'm, I'm not a speaker. I, I don't like to get in front of folk. I can't talk in front of folk. Let somebody else talk. Where did you get that from? Did you get that from the Bible? Where'd you get that? You, many people, their destiny is hindered, not by the devil per se, indirectly, yes, but it's the way they see themselves. You have great potential. You have ability. You have a calling. You have grace. You have anointing. You have the Holy Spirit. You got the Word of God. You got a Father that loves you. You got Jesus that died for you. You got the Holy Spirit who teaching you. You got promises from God's Word. You are ready for life. You are ready for life, but you cannot engage life successfully if you believe in lies. So think about what you're thinking about. Accusations. Bad things will always happen to you because you're not right with God. That's an accusation. You know bad things will always happen to you because you know you're not right with God. God can't bless you. God can't use you because you're not right with God. God can't use, God can't bless you. God can't use you because you're not right with God. You know you're not right with God. You, you know you're not right with God. That is a lie. It is an accusation. You are right with God. Jesus made you right. You are in right standing with God. Now, if you're looking at your life, and I look at my life, we're all going to see imperfections in our lives, but your standing is not in how good you live. Your standing is in the fact that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and he have made you right. You have been made right with God. So this stuff about God can't bless you because you know you're not right with God. It is an accusation. Wonderings. I wonder will they accept me back? I wonder. I wonder why everyone's prospering except me. I wonder. I wonder why everybody's prospering. Why everybody's doing wonderings wonderings, reasonings. Well, you know, when things were going well, you didn't go to church. There's no need of you going down to that church now. You didn't go to church when things, now you're having a hard time. There's no need of you going to a church. There's no need of you listening to that word. There's no need of you doing that because when you were doing all right, you did not want God. Now you want God and you should stop being a hypocrite. Sound like a reason. Satan has given you a reason to not turn to God. He's given you a reason. People won't accept you. They're not going to accept you. God's not going to accept you. You didn't want God. Now you turn to God. You ought to stop being a hypocrite. Satan has given you a reason to not pursue God. You know you messed up. There's no need of you standing up talking about you going to preach to somebody. You know you failed. You know you messed up. He's given you a reason to not fulfill God's purpose on your life. Fear. They're not going to call you back to work because they wanted to get rid of you anyway. Why would they call you back? You know they wanted to get rid of you anyway. And you listen to that thought, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, 
Who told you that? They're not, they not going to call you back. Yeah. See, the devil, the devil get, plants fear, and then you start talking to yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, they're not going to call me back because they wanted to get rid of me anyway. Now that, you know, uh, they, they, they laid me off because of the crisis, but they're not going to call me back because uh, they didn't like me anyway. They were trying to get rid of me anyway. See, now, where did you get that thought from? Okay, where did you get that? Oh, where did you get that thought from? God didn't plant that thought in your mind. That was not God talking to you. That was the devil talking to you. That was the devil. You said, but they didn't like me. Listen, it doesn't matter whether they like you. God likes you. But you're agreeing with the thought of fear. You know you're going to lose that house. Can't pay your note. You know you're losing that house. And, 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 and you, you know, you know you're going to lose it. You know you're going to lose it. You know you're going to lose that house. You're going to lose that car. You're going to lose everything. In fact, you, your bitch is going to go bankrupt. That's, you know, it's going to go bankrupt. Now, think about it. Hadn't gone bankrupt, hadn't lost your house, but already you're thinking about it. See, already you're moving in that direction. You're moving in the direction he wants you to move because he planted the thought. Suggestion. Suggestion. You know, let me tell you something, baby. That's how the devil talks to you. And it sounds like you're thinking it yourself. Let me tell you something, baby. You'd be better off killing yourself. Your mother take care of them kids. Your mother take care of them kids. Don't kill yourself because your mother take care of them kids. You can't put food on the table anyway. They'll be better off if you just kill yourself. Think about it. They'll be better off. Your mother take care of them. You won't have to deal with all this stuff you're dealing with, the misery you're dealing with. You can't put food on your table. Don't kill yourself, girl. Don't kill yourself. That's a suggestion. Satan uses lies, accusations, wanderings, reasonings, fear, suggestions. Pastor Mike, has, has Satan used any of these against you? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. He tells me all kinds of things like, listen, you, you, listen, ain't nobody want to listen to you. I can have, listen, I can go to church and thousands of people be at church and on the way home, they'll tell you, ain't nobody heard nothing you said. Nobody heard a thing you said. Did you see anything happen? Thousands of people. And I find myself moving toward discouragement. I'm, oh, yeah, sure. You have to guard your mind because it is a thought war. The human thought process is thought thinking, imaginations, strongholds. Thinking, imaginations, stronghold. Your thinking has been impacted and is impacted by, number one, your authority figures, Parents, grandparents, preachers, coaches, teachers, the authority figures in your life when you were growing up, and even authority figures in your life impacts your thinking. Your pastor impacts your thinking 
authority figures, and then the environment that we're in. If it's in a dysfunctional environment, it will impact our thinking. If you were raised up in a a home life where you're moving from house to house, you don't know whether you're going to have food on the table or not. Uh, you, you don't know whether the bill's going to get paid or not. That's an environment that creates a stronghold of poverty, the environment. And then the experiences that we have, experiences, the negative experiences, the breakups, the divorce, the abuse, all these things are working to develop our thinking. And then the things that we hear repetitiously impacts our thinking. So your belief system and your thinking has been created by these factors, authority figures, environment, repetitious information, and life experiences. And that's why God instructs us to get connected Get connected to a church. Pray about your pastor because your pastor is going to be an authority figure that's going to be able to help you with your your thinking. That's why you have to have good mentors to help you with your thinking. Then join the church. You need to join because you need to have an environment that's positive. And then you have to, you have to have some experiences and God will give you some experiences that will help you with your thinking. And then the repetitious information. Let me tell you something. I listen to things over and over. I don't know about you, but I listen to it over and over. I said this at one point, uh, right now, I've limited what I'm listening to, to healing things on healing and health and long life, prosperity and faith. That's where I am. And the reason why I'm there is because we're in a economic crisis, a health crisis, and you're seeing people with masks and people are talking about the coronavirus and people are saying this and the news is talking about people that are dying. So I have to make sure that I'm listening to the word on healing so my predominant thoughts will not be on the information and all the things that I'm seeing, or mask and social distances and all this. So I've got to make sure that I'm feeding my mind with information on healing. And I got one thing, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, because, see, I don't want it to become a law for you. There's one CD that I listen to over and over and over and over and over. I just listen to it on a regular basis. I listen to the same thing. And then I got another series on prosperity. I listen to it on a regular basis. Why? Because I understand that it's a thought war. And you can't go through the day and through the week just allowing other avenues to impact your thinking. You got to make sure that you're listening to God, thinking, imaginations, whatever you think on, you'll, you'll see. Imagination is a mental picture. 
It's a mental picture. Remember in Genesis 3, 6, the woman was convinced when she saw Eve, she saw the tree. Watch this, that the tree was beautiful. The fruit was delicious and the fruit would produce wisdom. Think about it. She had never tasted the fruit, but her imagination, she spent enough time gazing till she saw it. I spent enough time in the word on prosperity till I see myself doing well. I see myself rich. I don't see myself struggling. I don't see, I see myself living a, a high quality of life. And see, you can meditate to the point where you see it. If you see your environment, you hadn't meditated enough. You have to meditate to you see it. You, you got to see it before you get it. You got to see it before you can experience it. Thinking, imaginations, and strongholds. Now, what did you get out of this lesson? We talked about what a stronghold is. We talked about the different kinds of strongholds. We talked about the building blocks on the strongholds. We talked about the human thought process. You think you have imagination, then there's a stronghold. You think you have an imagination, you have a stronghold. Now, there's another side to it. The Bible says, cast down imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. So there's another kind of imagination that agrees with the knowledge of God. And we're going to talk about that in our in our next episode. Think about what you are thinking about. Think about what you are thinking about. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm going to close. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. I promise you, I, 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 I'm, listen, it's going to be a powerful revelation to you. It's just going to be powerful. If you would practice catching yourself, catching what you're thinking about, you're going to be fascinating at some of the stuff you're thinking. You're going to be just absolutely, it, it's just going to blow you away. The reason why these thoughts, negative thoughts, destructive thoughts, thoughts that undermine our victory, stay in our mind is because we're not thinking about what we're thinking about. So as you become more disciplined, you'll start saying, no, no, that's not mine. I, I don't agree with that thought. You're going to say, mm, no, no, thought, kill yourself, chew and be better off. Listen, that couldn't be God. That, there's no God. Listen, Satan, I don't receive that. I don't receive that. I do not receive that because that thought is not godly. That thought is not. See, if you think about what you're thinking about, and see, that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to think about what you're thinking about because it's a thought war. Victory and success is one between the ears. He knows that. So he wants you to just go on about your day thinking crazy stuff about yourself, about God, and about your situation. And you don't know that he is building 
and creating an imagination that's going to lead to a manifestation in your life. But it works the other way, and we'll talk about that next time. Thank you so very much. We got some questions. Okay. Can a spirit of rejection attack itself to a person and follow them throughout their life that doesn't have to do with a stronghold? Yes, that's what I was talking about. Yes. The, a spirit of rejection can attach itself to a person and follow that person throughout their life. And it, it really, you said, and it doesn't have to do with a stronghold. Well, if it's following you throughout your life, it's a stronghold. See, it was a stronghold for me. It began as a child. wonder why they didn't want me. wonder why my parents didn't want me. It spilled over into situations. I mean, the situation like you like this girl, she don't like you. I gave a little girl a nickel one time. She told me she's going to throw it away. I was in about the second grade. She took to me. She said, I threw that nickel away. That was rejection. Okay, then it spilled over into basketball. It spilled over into my academics. It spilled over into my relationships. It spilled over into my marriage. That spirit of rejection will follow you the rest of your life if you don't pull it down. Pastor, have you found that these type stronghold spirits, rejection, fear that we have dealt with in the past can be passed down to our children? Yes, they can be passed down to our children. For example, if you have a, a, a stronghold of inferiority, you'll pass that down to your kids. If you have a stronghold of fear, you're afraid of everything. You're afraid of water. You're afraid of planes. You're afraid of this. That's the way you're going to train your kids. You'll train them in fear. Baby, stay away from that water. Baby, don't get on that plane. Baby, stay out of the streets. You know, everything, you will actually be training them in fear. Yes, 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 yes. Stronghold of lust and adultery can be passed down from dads and moms to children. A lot of people dealing with lust and adultery and all that stuff because their daddy was like that, their mama was like that, and it can be passed down. Uh, hey, pastor, if you know someone has a spirit of rejection, should you say something to them and pray for them? What do you advise? If you know someone has a spirit of rejection, there are two things you can do. You can give them information. You, if you have a quality relationship with them, you can speak to them about it. If you have a quality relationship with them, then you can speak to them about it. If you don't have a quality relationship with them, you pray for them. You pray that their eyes be open. You pray that they see. You pray that God will bring someone in their life that they trust, that they can speak into their lives. These are just great. Hey, Pastor, can you recommend any books or materials on overcoming rejection? I think I got some stuff. You know, I don't have a book on it, but I think I have some stuff. I don't know whether Joyce Meyer's book on rejection is still there. I don't have any particular uh, things, once, but you can go online now and look. Uh, once we identify the bad thoughts, what's next? How do we get them out? Well, we're going to talk about that. Hey, listen, I can give you all my stuff right now. Can't give you all my stuff. I want you to hang around. Uh, listen, I'm gonna, here's where I'm going. I'm gonna talk about in our next week about how to build 
of positive imaginations, the power of the imaginations and how to make sure that your imagination line up with the word. And then we're going to talk about thought control later on. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about how to control our thoughts, recognizing the source of thoughts. We're going to get to that, but it's been a blast. I enjoyed you.